Welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Today I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray. Uh, we're going to be talking about why breach readiness is so important in maturing your cyber security. Um, you know, as a CEO of an international uh, consultancy uh, company, Darren, uh, I imagine you spend quite a lot of time talking to senior people uh, within companies. I mean, some of them are members of the C-suite of, uh, on board, uh, and these companies come in all shapes and sizes. So, you know, what are you advising them at the moment on this subject? It's actually, uh, my advice has probably changed over the last few years, actually, Chris, because a few years ago I was, you know, seeing my role in, in some of those discussions at least to really raise the awareness for you know, what firms needed to do to protect themselves against cybersecurity threats. Now, that's still part of the conversation very much. But during that time, though, there's been a whole heap of, you know, very public cybersecurity breaches. You know, we've had uh, Target, we've had the more recent one with the uh, Marriott, uh, you know, the Marriott Group and their breach of, um, you know, many hundreds of records, credit card information, passport information. And what that's meant is we've had far more people coming to us and asking us the questions, what do we need to do, um, and starting initiating that conversation. So some of that's gone away, but there's still a big challenge for all organisations. And I, there's two questions I get asked the most now from organisations who are maturing. And it's really around, how do I know that we're spending enough money on uh, information security and cyber security? And how do I know that we're not paying too much? So really finding that, that right balance between, you know, what's the right amount and how, how you actually do that. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing there's no uh, quick and easy answer to those questions, is there? <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, there's not. And that can be disappointing to some people. But, um, you know, one of, the, one of the, the most simplistic ways that I approach this, though, is to start talking about breach readiness and how organisations, how mature they are in terms of testing their breach readiness. And um, the fact that they even measure breach readiness is a big benefit, a big um, you know, plus um, in that area. So doing that, making sure you're breach ready, actually helps you uh, progress and ensure that you're spending in the right areas and that you're aware of your weaknesses. And actually you're dealing with those weaknesses as well. Is um, I mean, cybersecurity and breach readiness is a, is a relatively uh, new concept, although uh, it's maturing quite rapidly. Um, it's been around probably what for ten or fifteen years, or say in the insurance market, which is the sector that we're familiar with. But in terms of you know, maturity, maturity, are, are there any sort of historic uh, comparisons or parallels where insurers or risk managers um, have helped to develop a mature um, a market where they can, you know, they, they, they can produce new types of risk mitigation strategies. Anything that springs to mind? Yeah, I think the I, I think the the, the most uh, the best one, not necessarily the most um, obvious one, when you first start mentioning this, is actually the comparison with the the building codes and the you know the deaths from fire um, that that occurred in. New York City a hundred years ago in comparison to today. <clears throat> so, uh, if you do a quick comparison of those things, um, you know, in the 1920s uh, to the 1930s, early 1930s, the average number of people dying from um, from fire was about 121 people per year on average. The size of New York City at that point in time, well, in 1930 it was um, just under seven million people, so 6.9 million people. Right, so there was 
a lot of people tragically lost their lives due to fire during that period of time. Now, yeah. fire departments have always practiced and tried to make themselves uh, better at putting out fires and saving people, right? But they were so successful that in 2017, or between 2008 and 2017, the average number of deaths per year was down to only 66. And the number of people in New York City had risen by um, nearly 2 million people, up to um, 8.62 million people since 1930. So there's lots and lots more people, lots more opportunity for fires to occur, lots more people to be killed in those fires, but things have improved. So uh, there's been improvement in building codes. So yeah. using standards and learning the lessons of the past have dramatically improved the chances of people um, surviving fires and the fire brigade being able to save them from fires. Um, improvements in building materials and technology generally. So you know, wood plays a smaller part in the construction of new buildings in New York City than it did um, 100 years ago. And undoubtedly, you know, technology in construction and smoke detection and, and just firefighting um, technology and skills have played a massive role in reducing the number of deaths. Okay, that's interesting. So what sort of, um, uh, you know, in standards and governance processes can you employ, you know, today, um, which, uh, which will make for a similar type of uh, comparison? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, the, the similarities, I think, are quite striking because you've got, we're using standards now as part of information security and cybersecurity, you know, be they ISO 27001 or the NIST cybersecurity framework or a myriad of others, but we're using those standards. We're increasingly using technology, you know, firewalls, um, no pun intended, intrusion detection, um, AI behavioural monitoring um, kind of tools, and they're all being used to spot the security incidents and breach uh, potential breaches as they're occur occurring, and they're really improving an organisation's breach readiness. So, you know, those kinds of things are really making a difference, and I think that's where the direct comparison comes, that, um, you know, these things help an organisation as a whole uh, to respond uh, more effectively and more quickly. Okay, okay, understand, I understand that. So in terms of, you know, how, how, how do you improve your breach readiness? So there's a number of different ways. Um, I think um, the key ones, though, or the most important ones, are probably uh, using tabletop exercises. So you know, do a dry run, have a scenario that you're testing against, and this allows organisations to, you know, to test the scenarios, to get a team together who can then understand how they would actually deal with that kind of scenario in not a real-life scenario, but a semi-real-life scenario. This, I think, is a well fire evacuation test. You know, how we, uh, when the fire alarm rings, um, you know, once a quarter and we will have to evacuate the building. Well, those kinds of things, but in a tabletop exercise for a security or data breach kind of incident. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So what kind of people would you uh, pull together to be, you know, to take part in... Um such a, an exercise would it be across the company or would it would it just be you know the the it department or would it be involved with other you know businesses and departments it very much depends on the scenario that you're testing but i would always encourage a broader inclusion so include more of the business than than you know one specific department um just because it helps those teams come together helps them understand what needs to be done understand helps them understand the challenges that other teams may have during those, um, you know, those breach situations, and it means that your breach planning and your scenario planning and your incident response capabilities are all improved accordingly to that. 
I mean, as, as a, a so-called PR professional, from uh, my perspective, and a marketing uh, guy. I mean, so called, we Chris. You sold us on, the, on, on, on your on extensive, your extensive knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> and you were well, completely fooled. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but but in, my, in my days working for you know, one of the, the big brokers um, in the world, or well, a, couple, a couple of them, I mean, our, our department, the comms department, uh, communications department, were quite often called into these type of uh, scenarios when, say, a building was evacuated for whatever reason because there was a, a terror threat was elevated or, or or whatever. So would you suggest that people like that would be involved, especially, especially in a world of social media where when there is a breach, it's... Uh, uh, you know the, the 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 fans. You know, and uh, sorry to use another fire pun, can be flamed quite quite quickly, can't they? By you know new types of media. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I think it's absolutely vital that you have your communications team and a communication plan be part of your breach response. Depends what kind of breach and what kind of scenario you're looking into, um, and that you're practicing on that particular event. But yeah, I'd recommend having um, you know a cross section of staff. And communications is always important, whether it be internal, whether it be external, whether it be both. Um, it's important to make sure that people are being communicated with and that your organisation is and continues to be represented in the best light um, you know, whilst it's dealing with an incident. I'm guessing you're, you're not the only person thinking, uh, thinking along these lines, are you? I mean, uh, are other companies, say, for example, insurance companies who offer cyber coverage, are they, are they getting involved in these type of scenario planning? Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm not the only person thinking along these lines. I, I'm the only person I know of who's actually outwardly talking about breach readiness being um, an indicator of um, cybersecurity maturity or talking about it in those terms. But I was talking to uh, some underwriters the other day recently, um, cybersecurity underwriters, and they said that one of their, their key performance indicators for an organisation that they're quoting for is if the CISO, if the organisation has a CISO. Right. Now, a CISO, a Chief Information Security Officer, any good CISO or any halfway good CISO, it, you know, part of their remit is going to be ensuring that the organisation is doing breach readiness, um, that they're you know, taking the organisation through its paces in that respect. I'm guessing. I mean, most you know, to have a, a CISO, most companies are going to be sort of high high end, sort of SME um, businesses or, or, or larger uh, than than that. Would that be fair to say? That may be um, if you're taking a traditional approach. Obviously, you know, Fifth Step works with organisations of all shapes and sizes, and one of the services that we offer is a flexible and fractional CIO, which means that. Even very small organisations can have access to a CISO and potentially get reductions in their, um, you know, the cost of their cyber insurance as a result of that. But it means that they'll certainly have a better cyber security maturity and breach readiness than they would otherwise have. And there is such a thing as a, you know, a VCISO, I, I believe, a, a virtual. Yeah, a virtual CISO. That's part of uh, that's part of our service offering, which is a. Uh, um, you know, instead of having someone um, sit in your office eight hours a day, you know, five yeah. days a week kind of uh, kind of thing, um, you can have someone either on site for the time that you need them, um, or you have them there virtually, so they're you know contactable by mobile phone, by video conferencing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, in the normal kinds of uh, kinds of modern way that modern businesses uh, work uh, work together and collaborate together. Okay, that's uh, okay. Well, that's uh, I think that wraps up this uh, this particular podcast thanks as ever um, for your time and you know your insights 
on this subject. Um, in terms of, you know, we uh, at Fifth Step, we provide all sorts of um, outlets for you know, our, our insights, including podcasts and, and YouTube videos. And um, if you actually go to the Fifth Step website, www.fifthstep.com, you know, you'll find a range of uh, materials and white papers, thought leadership, uh, where Darren uh, you know, put, and, and the other members of the team uh, put across their, their expertise and, and help their client. We'd like to wish all our listeners a very happy Christmas and we'll uh, speak to you all in the new year. Okay, well, once again, thanks for your time and happy new year to all our listeners, readers uh, and viewers. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris.